Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for joining us for Three Women, Three Ways. We are the show that uh, covers some pretty significant topics sometimes. Sometimes we, we do the light things. Sometimes we do some pretty pretty deep topics. Today I think we have a pretty deep topic. It's one that really resonates with me. I, I Having you know been involved in domestic violence for a number of years now, um, I'm often just absolutely gobsmacked by the people, the, the people in authority who can, almost with impunity, um, be violent uh, inter- with, you know, having interpersonal violence. And so we see this over and over and over again. And so I recently st- saw a story about an Alabama judge named Mark Fuller, who actually was arrested and charged uh, with um on suspicion of, of beating his wife. She Actually, he was charged with it, so it's no longer on suspicion, I guess. Um, and... I just thought, how does this happen? How does this happen? How the, this man is um, on the U.S. District Court, which means he's reviewed a number of cases probably which involve domestic violence. If he actually is a perpetrator, where does he get off making those decisions? So I wanted to figure it out. Uh, obviously, I'm a layperson. I'm not an attorney. And so I went to the source. And my source today is a lovely woman named Stacy Zaretsky. She's an editor of a publication called Above the Law, which, um, well, we'll talk more about that. She's also contributed to legal publications such as Judgepedia, Lawyerist, and Ms. JD, which is uh, obviously a, uh, a publication for women lawyers. She's also been on TV and radio programs, including CNBC's Power Lunch and HuffPost Live, Chicago Public Radio. She graduated from, now I'm going to show my Midwestern roots here. Is it Lehigh University? <laughs> it's Lehigh University. Lehigh, okay, because in Ohio we pronounce it Lehigh. <laughs> <laughs> we also pronounce it Medina, or, or yeah, Medina rather than Medina. But anyway, um, and Western New England University School of Law. She's been published in the Western New England Law Review, which is a prestigious publication, and she's going to help us figure out what this case is all about and how it compares with other domestic violence cases and what's going on with Judge Mark Furler. So welcome, Stacy. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, uh, this is going to be an interesting um, conversation because it covers so many areas. I mean, obviously, domestic violence, the um, you know people in power who uh, have domestic violence. And I, I have to be upfront with you. Um, it seems to be de rigueur now to say men and women who abuse, but the fact is only a tiny number of women uh, only a tiny number, uh, a percentage of domestic violence is woman-on-man domestic violence, and of that, a large percentage of it is uh, defensive violence. So I'm going to be old-fashioned, and I'm going to say men who perpetrate domestic violence, um, because that's the, the the way it usually works. So if you have a problem with that, you can give me a call, 646-378-0430. So 646-378-0430. 0430. Go ahead and give me a call for my sexist language or join our conversation today. So thanks, Stacy, and uh, wow, you have some pretty pretty significant credentials. Tell us about Above the Law, would you? Sure. Above the Law is one of the most widely read re- legal websites in the United States. It's written by lawyers for lawyers. We write about things like the Supreme Court, uh, cases that are currently before the Supreme Court, law schools, life at law firms, both big and small. Um, we're usually the first with salary and bonus information for those law firms. And it's generally a place where legal professionals, law students, lawyers can go to find information, whether they're at the beginning of their career or at the end of their career. Okay. So in other words, it's a publication for lawyers. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to be more concise. And I would imagine since most judges are lawyers that they would read the publication as well. Um, yeah, well, that's what we're hoping for. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have hopes that you know judges read a lot of things, but doesn't necessarily mean they're going to. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> what what we had and what uh, attracted me to this case was actually your article in About the Law, and you've covered this story a couple of times. Um, where the federal judge, uh, and at the time you wrote this story, which was in August, he was facing allegations of domestic violence. What brought this about is there was a 911 call from his wife, his second wife, Kelly Fuller, calling from a hotel room saying that she was being hit, pulled uh, by her hair, uh, and uh, generally assaulted by her husband. Okay. Mm-hmm. So correct me if I'm wrong. And then um, the police got there. The police saw the wife with um, a number of uh, injuries. And from the police report, it said um, that he appara- she, she apparently had been pulled around the room by her hair and um, that uh, she was uh, obviously upset. He said that he was defending himself, that she threw a glass at him. He had no visible marks according to the police report. So I'm willing to believe what the police say, that he had no marks on him, no signs of any injuries, and yet she had been beaten and dragged by her hair, um, which, okay, if she threw a glass at him, that seems a little bit of an um, uh, exaggerated reaction to that, even if that were the way it happened. So am I saying the facts right here, Stacey? Yeah, I I believe that. That is what was in the police report, and that is what allegedly went down on that night when they were at the hotel. So, um, and do you have any insight into that? Uh, You know, I mean, I'm not familiar with judges in that state or with uh, police in that state. Do they tend to, you know, not get it, or do they tend to um, be pretty good when it comes to domestic violence issues? Um, I'm concerned, um, or the source of my question is that Sometimes when you read a police report, it can be a little biased toward the perpetrator. Sometimes not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm wondering, is it likely that this police report somehow or other um, was biased um, in favor of the judge? I don't know. It didn't come, sound very favorable to the judge. Um, if you just read the police report, it sounded very much like he'd beaten the woman. So do you have right. any insight into that? Um. I, I'm going to say that I do not think it was biased uh, towards the judge because simply because this happened in Georgia. This is an Alabama federal judge. It's oh. highly unlikely that they even knew who he was or what his station in life was. And why should these police officers in Georgia care, more or less, about this judge from Alabama? Oh, I bet he told them. <laughs> Something tells me he probably mentioned the do you know who I am thing. Um, but that's just a guess on my part. Um, okay, so the scenario is they, the police, the wife calls 911. The ju- she's clearly been injured. The judge clearly has not. Um, she says they were in an argument because of his um, alleged infidelity and he didn't like what she had to say, apparently, and and did the beating up, and he blamed it on her, which, you know, oh, that's a surprise. You know, I mean, no abuser has ever blamed his wife for being the, you know, no abuser has ever claimed to be the real victim here, you know. Right. <laughs> so that, that happens, oh, so infrequently. I'm being very sarcastic. Um, so <laughs> what happens with this judge, okay? So he's arrested in Georgia. Presumably, he has to go back home. What What is the procedure here? Now, he's a U.S. district attorney, so that protects him from a number of things. How does that work, Stacey? Okay, so he was appointed by President George W. Bush in 2002. As a federal judge, he is appointed with a lifetime appointment. There is no way to get him out of that position until he would resign or if he would die, um, or he could be impeached by Congress. So what happened after all of these allegations and charges (coughs) were lodged against him, the 11th Circuit, (coughs) which is a court of appeals that handles the Middle District of Alabama where he is a judge, they put all of his cases 
on hold and assigned them to other judges. And I believe that that was around August 12th, so three days after all after the charges happened. Um, and then later in September, they appointed a committee to investigate him um, because shortly before that, he accepted a plea deal to get into a pretrial intervention program. Um, are you familiar with what those are? Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm going to uh, try to explain it in layperson's language so that we can, we can all understand. Basically what happens in, in a deal like that is the judge agrees to do something, community service or anger management class, and if he complies with that, then basically the arrest, everything is expunged from his record, and he has no record of this having occurred. Am I correct? Right. You are yeah. correct. Yeah, and actually a lot of just every day, your everyday ordinary domestic violence perpetrators uh, take advantage of that, um, and it's offered to them. So there's a lot of guys going out there who can say they've never been um, arrested for domestic violence or charged with domestic violence because it's been expunged from their record. There's no record of right. it anymore, exactly. even though they were. So, um, and and you know, we can debate whether or not that's a good thing, um, but that's a different show. The judge very quickly agreed to this, which, you know, he'd have to be an idiot not to. Um, <laughs> and then that means he doesn't have a trial. He, it's all very exactly. quiet. He and just there's works no guilty plea. And, and no guilty, um, no, and not even a record of it. You know, after mm -hmm. he complies, and it's probably, what, maybe six months it'll take him to comply. I think I read where he had 24 classes, and the classes yeah, he, were... Yeah, he has to do this for 24 weeks, and that struck, that stood out to me because in dealing with these PTI programs, I've usually seen them uh, be given for one year's time. So 24 weeks seemed... A little too short for me, considering what happened. Well, gosh, you couldn't, you don't think that it's judges buddying up with judges, do you? <laughs> I mean, it, <laughs> it could very well be could that. Be that. That's no, what people are, I would are be talking shocked. about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just be shocked if that were the case. You know, the old boy network <laughs> protecting the old boy network, that, oh my. Am I being terribly sarcastic today? I am so sorry. <laughs> Actually, I'm not. I'm having fun with that um, because it's so it's so typical. It's so typical. So yeah, this I'm, guy, and and I don't think he even. I'm I'm looking through my papers here. I don't think that he had to. Um, I don't think he had to pay a fine. Um, I don't think, and I don't think that what he's the classes that he's going to are anger management. I think. His classes were in something else. Um, I'm flipping through my papers here. Um, I have that information. He oh, has do you? To go, okay, what is, yes. He has to go so What are the classes a, in? I mean, basket weaving or something? Or? <laughs> it's something, uh, something really significant. Family and domestic violence counseling. So Counsel take that very, for whatever you would like. <laughs> yes, and, um, and anybody can, can do that. You know, I mean, it, you don't have mm -hmm. to have any special degree in domestic violence in order to do that. Um, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't require any uh, special licensing or anything like that to be a counselor uh, to deal specifically with domestic violence. And in my experience, uh, I've met a lot of counselors, psychologists, um, who just do not get it. Um, and they still are operating under a set of... of um, expectations that we had about domestic violence perpetrators, you know, 30 years ago. So, okay, so he may be finding some great, wonderful counselor to do that DV counseling, uh, and let's keep our fingers crossed. But the fact that he com immediately blamed his wife and claimed victim status um, doesn't make me hopeful. So, anyway, okay, so Stacy, he goes ahead and he takes his little classes for 24 weeks, which I'm sure is going to, I'm, I'll bet you he's just complaining up one side and down the other about what a burden that is on a busy judge. I'm just right. Yeah. Anyway, okay, if you want to bring me in, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to, to pull me back to reality and being nice, give me a call, 646 378 
646-378-0430. That's 646-378-0430. Okay, Stacey, so what happens? In 24 weeks, he's done with this. This disappears. It's, It's all gone. And that's the end of it. He goes back to life as normal, except there are some people who are calling for an impeachment. Right, exactly. There are two U.S. senators from Alabama, both Republicans, and this judge was appointed by a Republican, and there's also a U.S. representative who is a Democrat who is calling for his impeachment. The two Republican senators want Judge Fuller to resign, but the um, Democratic uh, representative, she wants Congress to call for his impeachment if he doesn't resign. Well, and two women uh, in in the uh, Alabama congressional delegation got got this started. One a de- Democrat, one a Republican. So it looks like this issue is crossing party lines. I do believe that Judge Fuller. I I saw him referred to as a Republican, but I'm not sure why. Because judges are supposed to be bipartisan, are they not, or to not have a party affiliation? That is correct. I if if. People are referring to him as a Republican. I think it's because he was appointed by a Republican president. Judges yeah. are, so not, are not supposed to bring politics into the mix when they are deciding their cases. Mm-hmm. And of course, they never do. Um, we have um, so we okay. We have this uh, this guy all taken care of, and his future is, is secure unless they're able to actually impeach him. But so far, nobody has really done anything. Nobody's filed articles of impeachment. Nobody's done anything except, you know, wave some flags, right? Right. Um, but what what is happening with uh, Representative Terry Sewell, she says that she's going to call for his impeachment if he, if Judge Fuller doesn't resign before Congress in, is back in session, which is on November 12th. So he has a very short time frame right now that he's up against if she is actually going to follow through and call for his impeachment. Okay, but just because she calls for his impeachment doesn't mean that um, that it's going to go through, right? Exactly. But in the same time, he is also dealing with this 11th Circuit Ethics Committee. And this Judicial Ethics Committee, they can publicly censure him, they can request that he voluntarily retires, and I believe even they can refer the case to Congress for them to decide to, to bring about impeachment proceedings. Now, that's U.S. Congress, right? That's not statewide. Yeah. That We're talking national. Correct, because he's Con- a federal judge. Yep. Okay. Um, gosh, has anybody called George Bush and said, hey, George, you know, really? <laughs> Send this guy a letter telling him he ought to resign. Um, <laughs> the, um, the so we have him right now. The only thing he's really worried about is having to make his twenty-four classes and um, whether or not he'll be impeached. But it, it's always a long shot when you're calling for an impeachment of anybody. Um, right, it's exactly. always a long shot. You know, it's not just one boss saying, "Okay, that's it, you're out." I mean, you have to, it's a, literally an act of Congress. So, um, and that's a big deal. Um, So that leaves us with his wife. Now, this is his second wife, I believe. Yes. Yes. And his first wife, this is where it gets sleazy, you know, but that's okay. I'm in a sleazy mood right now. Um, He actually was married to his first wife. Those uh, divorce records were sealed there was some talk of allegations of domestic violence during that divorce, but then uh, Judge Mark Fuller got those divorce records sealed, um, and uh, his wife objected to that, but nevertheless it was sealed. Fuller's attorney says that's not a big deal. That happens a lot with public figures. They were able to get the records unsealed, but they really didn't find anything in them to substantiate any domestic violence with his first wife. Right. Is that correct? That is correct. And the reason why uh, the media was <clears throat> media members were saying that there were allegations of domestic violence was because during the divorce, um, Judge Fuller's ex-wife filed what's called a request for admissions. 
she and her attorney, they were basically trying to get the judge to admit to doing the things that she claimed broke down the marriage. Um, I'm looking at the, the document right now. Um, number one is admit or deny that you have had an extramarital affair with a person or persons during the course of your marriage to the plaintiff. And, of course, the judge never responded to this at all, to my knowledge. But a lot of these requests are, if he would have answered, it would have been quite damning for him. Um, let's see. There's another question. Uh, admit or deny that you have driven a vehicle while under the influence of alcohol during the course of your marriage. I mean, these are... are and he just ignored those interrogatories. Struck. Yeah, he just, he, he never responded. This divorce was very quickly resolved. They were divorced very quickly, and he oh, never... Oh, wait a minute. A divorce requires a judge, right? Yes. Oh, and, and they did it quickly. Huh. I, boy, that was lucky. Go okay, go ahead. <laughs> I've vented. Go ahead. <laughs> uh. More, more of the requests are, uh, like, admit or deny that you have hit, kicked, struck, or otherwise physically abused your spouse during the course of your marriage. Admit or deny that you have hit, kicked, struck, or otherwise physically abused your children during the course of the marriage. Uh, admit or deny that you are addicted to prescription medication. Just various things like this that no sitting judge would want to answer, and this is probably why he wanted the record sealed in the first place. And when they were unsealed in October, he never responded. So even though this request is on the record, there are no answers. Yeah. And people who haven't, you know, who haven't, who are not familiar with a, a divorce situation, especially one involving allegations of domestic violence or, or um, uh, child abuse, you can send them all the questions that you want, and there is no requirement. I mean, they can just wait it out. You know, I mean, that mm-hmm. happens a lot. Um, just wait, just don't respond. Or another good tactic is just keep changing attorneys, because every time you change an attorney, that attorney goes to your attorney to find out what's been going on, which is ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching on your dollar bill, and they can just keep going. You know, I mean, I've heard of some um, some guys who've had over 20 lawyers, um, and they wow, just keep it going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they just keep it going. And then, you know, everything is delayed and everything for the new attorney, and then as soon as things get going and then there's some sort of trial date established or something like that, um, you just fire that attorney and get another attorney. So, you know, they can they can even the, I think even though we as as uh lay people tend to think that well you go to court and you're just you know, the judge is gonna make him. Well no. <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> so is that your has that been your experience, Stacy? Have you seen that? Um, I mean, before I worked for Above the Law, I did work for a family law firm. Um, mm-hmm. we, we, I didn't experience people changing attorneys, just changing attorneys, just to delay the course of the proceedings. But I found that people don't like getting divorced. It's a very trying time. It brings up memories that maybe don't want to have to re-experience. It's just a very painful time for all of the people involved. So having to go through a court system and wait and file papers, it gets very, uh, I want to say it's obnoxious to have to keep rehashing the past. So people get angry, people get upset, and things come out that, that you don't necessarily want to be coming out. So it makes everyone angry. So for a federal judge to have to have all of his business laid out in a public record, no wonder he wanted the file to be sealed. Well, and And we now know know that, in fact, at least um, when it comes to the affair, that he did indeed have an affair because that's his current wife. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. There were some allegations that he was having an affair with his uh, 
prior courtroom bailiff or a courtroom deputy, and her name at the time was Kelly Gregg because her son, Hunter Gregg, was on the scene during this latest instance of domestic violence. And so Kelly Gregg is now his wife, Kelly Fuller. So, yes, he did have some sort of, of an affair in the past, or immediately after he was divorced, he began dating his bailiff or courtroom deputy. Whichever way yeah. you think it happened. Well, and you like know how that. I think it happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm just jaded, okay? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to say that this judge was definitely having an affair because no one knows for sure. We can well, just say he was allegedly having an affair and he somehow yes, ended up right. married he was an old, he's a sailor. He was allegedly having an affair, and I did see it in an AP story where they came right out and said, well, he was having it, you know, Kelly, <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so I'll blame it on AP that I made that leap. Um so, okay, so now we've got Kelly, who stuck with him or came with him and stuck with him after his first divorce, where these allegations were made. Um, and then um, she finds herself in this situation. And I want to read just a little bit from the 911 call, um, because it's, it, is, it is dramatic. He's beating on me. This is, this is Kelly Fuller. Um, he's beating on me. Please help me, the woman tells the 911 dispatcher before saying that she needed paramedics. About a minute into the call, as the initial dispatcher patches an ambulance dispatcher into the call, the woman identified as Kelly Fuller, 41, can be heard as saying, I hate you, I hate you. A male voice responds, I hate you too, followed by dull noises in the background. The woman's voice can be heard loudly repeating, help me, please, help me, please, he's beating on me. Um, the initial dispatcher tells the ambulance dispatcher she's, uh, she says that she's in a domestic fight and I can hear him hitting her now. So um, you've got a police report that indicates she had uh, injuries. You've got a 911 call where the operator can actually hear physical violence. And um, the guy gets 24 weeks. 24 weeks, and then it'll be, all be expunged from his record unless the impeachment goes through. So what's left for um, his wife, Lisa? Well... Oh, no, that's, well, Lisa's the first wife. That's, it, that's she's been kind of... Yeah, she's been kind of keeping her head low, right? Yes. She hasn't made I any mean, public statements like, or anything. Like the current wife? If, if yeah, she... the current wife is Kelly, Yeah. <laughs> Kelly might yeah, end up being his, his other ex-wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I, it, it isn't unusual for women, you know, I mean, especially when they're married to figures of power, to return. And there's a number of reasons for that. We don't have to go into that. Um, although, you know, I was reading the comments um, after on, on, you know, after your article, and I've got to say, I was stunned by some of these comments. I mean, off the air, I said, who is it that reads this publication? Um, what are your, I, I'm going to pull up some of the comments, but tell me what you thought of the comments to your article. Well, before you read the comments, I'll, I'll preface them by saying the commenters on Above the Law represent a very, very fractional portion of our readership. Not everyone is as... Um, seemingly crazed on the Internet. I think that the comments that we get are because they can be anonymous and they could say whatever they want, regardless of whether it's crazy, kind, um, sexist, racist. They can say whatever they want without any fear of punishment. So in light of that, I, I, I would say that our commenters are saying anything that they can and anything that they want to, that's the first thing that pops out of their mind or pops yeah. out of their fingers since it's online. Yeah. Well, and we see that everywhere. <laughs> and it's usually the people that have something vitriolic to, to comment upon that actually take the time to type it um, and, and do the comments. But considering that your readership is probably, I mean, there's nobody prohibiting from you know anyone from from reading your articles and, and going into that publication, um, in all fairness, I mean I went into it just you know um, uh, through Google, 
Um, right. So, you know, it, it, these are not necessarily representative comments, um, representative of either your um, the, the judges or, you know, and anyone else or, you know, that, that happens. It just happens to be the people who read it and who comment right. on it. Okay. And it's not letting me open the comments. It's Stacy. It's not letting me open the comments. Really? Why would it not? Yeah. 17 I'm looking comments. At comments right now. Wait a minute. Maybe I've got them blocked. Let me try unblocking here. See, this is live radio, folks. Um, <laughs> okay. Here we go. Now can we get in there? Yes, here we go. And uh, we had one commenter who said, this is absolutely disgusting behavior for a federal judge. Well, here, here. But then this person adds, this is the kind of behavior we might expect of a magistrate or even a state judge, but from an Article Three Ubermensch, we expect more. Uh, okay. <laughs> in other words... <laughs> You're a run-of-the-mill judge. Yeah, this wouldn't be a surprise, but uh, <laughs> but uh, a, a state, uh, you know, but a, a federal judge. Oh gosh, you know that's really really um, shocking. Um, and then uh, we had one. Um, let's see, let me see. There was a couple that were, I think, outrageous. So if you are easily offended, please you know, go do the dishes right now or something. Uh, okay, here's the one that I really wanted to bring in, because this clearly, this clearly um, is a comment from somebody who doesn't get it. And she attributes this, this comment is attributed to Teresa Onelbleman. So I don't know whether she made that that name or whether it's a real person, but this is the comment. I don't condone what the judge is accused of doing, but for F's sake, Woman, just leave the room. If someone is beating you and you have time to dial 911, get the F out. What the hell is wrong with her? I I sure hope that this person is not in a position to be making um, decisions on domestic violence cases. I, I really do believe that. Um, but this whole notion, I think, I think there's a lot of people who think that well, just get away. What's the matter with you? Just go away. Well, the guy was dragging her around by the hair. You know, maybe she tried to get away. Uh, I mean, it doesn't, I don't know. It just really bugged me reading that comment. Um, yeah. And I understand because sometimes you can't get away. Sometimes there's no way to leave. Yeah. Yeah. And I you mean, have it's, these... it's really unfortunate that there exist people out there who believe that women who are being abused by their uh, boyfriends, spouses, what have you, can just leave. Not everyone can just leave. Yeah. Well, that whole notion of, well, she started it. Really? You know, I mean, she threw a glass. Okay, that was a horrible thing to do. That was a nasty thing to do. He could have been cut all up. But does that merit a beating? You know? Right. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) I, I, I hardly think I mean isn't there something in the law that says you have to meet like force with like force with like force or something and I, I you know, help me out here. But if somebody well, um if, if even somebody she was the black you can't shoot them. Right. Okay, go ahead. He, he he might she might have started it by throwing a glass, but I believe that Kelly Fuller is a smaller woman whereas Judge Fuller is a very tall, more built man than his wife. So the response to having a glass thrown at you shouldn't be, oh, well, I'm going to drag you around by your hair in a hotel, which isn't our house. It's it's a place of public accommodation. So there are people next door who could hear me doing this to you. And mm-hmm. it's just... It's not right. And I said in in what I wrote in my article, I said this is disgusting behavior from a federal judge. I'm going to amend that to say that this is disgusting behavior from a human being. No one should be doing this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Why, Stacey, did you choose to do this article? Because... um, at Above the Law, I have taken on the role about writing about things that happen to women in the law or women and the law, 
And I think when a federal judge is accused of beating his wife, that is something that people need to know about because these are the people who are deciding our cases. You need People need to know that the judge that they're before has a criminal complaint against him for beating his wife. Yeah. I don't think And if I were an abuser, the first thing I'd do, do is figure out for. Yeah, the first thing I would do if I were an abuser having to go to court would figure out how the heck I could get into Judge Fuller's courtroom. <laughs> really? You know, I mean, uh, you know, as an abuser, I'd think, well, now he gets it. You know, he gets how she can make you crazy, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, it, it's just, uh, but with his um, sentence deal, his plea deal, he won't have that on his record anymore in 24 weeks if he complies. So there's right. anyway. The, the thing about about his being sentenced or not sentenced, his plea deal for the pretrial intervention program, the thing that I found to be um, crazy is that I believe in the United States fewer than ten percent of all domestic abuse charges have put people into this, these kinds of pretrial intervention programs. So Judge Fuller, a federal judge, is one person in that 10%. The other 90% of these cases get real criminal charges. This federal judge is going to have his record wiped clean after he goes for his 24 weeks of counseling. Well, I have to say, Stacey, that I have heard of this a lot, usually with uh, men who have, you know, some sort of uh, financial status in the community. Um, so maybe, I don't know, uh, I, I don't know, I have heard of it a lot, uh, and it's usually the doctors, uh, lawyers, um, you know, the the people who have some sort of, you know, status in the community that I have seen, and I may be phrasing that incorrectly, but, um, you know, that I have seen it a lot. I don't know in Alabama, but I've well, seen I, it. I also think it, it's that he had a lawyer that knew that this kind of program existed. I would imagine yes. that if if other people had lawyers that they could afford to have a very good lawyer or even a semi-well-trained lawyer, that more yes. and more people would be entering into these pre-trial intervention programs. But for the time being, because they're in the United States, there is a significant lack of access to justice because people just cannot afford the type, types of lawyers that they need for the types of crimes that they're accused of, people just don't know that these programs exist. Oh, exactly, exactly. And we can say that in all sorts of areas, not just domestic violence issues. Um, right. You know, so I, oh, my heart goes out to so many people who are fighting for child custody, for example. Um, I actually interviewed a, a judge, and I said, you know, regarding charge, uh, child custody, and I asked her, I said, how do you make the decision? You've got these two people standing in front of you, and you end up awarding the children to one or the other. How do you make that decision? What, what factors do you look at? And this judge said to me, well, you've got one party, the woman, standing there, and she clearly is, is in stress, she's disorganized, she's frantic, and she can't even get her own life together, let alone that of a kid. And so then you got this other one who has it together. He's he's you know calm and he's in control, and so you know he's the one that will probably be best for the child. And my comment to her was, you realize that she is probably in that state because of him, you know, mm-hmm. and that the threat of losing her children. So rewarding him for uh, being a controller, it just seems really inconsistent to me. And what it tells me is that. You know, this judge doesn't really have a... She she thought she had a really good handle on domestic violence issues, but it tells me she doesn't. Hmm. So, our, our, I imagine it's difficult to make a sweep, sweeping statement because each county, each state has different um, programs, different rules, different laws, but what is is there anything being done that you're aware of for training actually training judges about domestic violence that i do not know about but it would be a really really interesting thing to get into and find out about 
because there are so many instances of domestic violence in the United States, unfortunately, that to have a well-trained judge on these issues would be outstanding for all of the people involved because Mm -hmm. why should an abuser be be put into a pretrial intervention program that I know that these are typically reserved for first-time offenders, but many of the um, county and state codes say that they're supposed to, the program is supposed to be for nonviolent offenders. A lot of states well, have domestic that violence isn't that bad. Come on, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's not like it's a crime or something. You know. I mean, gosh, we may as well just you know. We we can let him off on this one, can't we? Uh, I I I think I took my cranky berries for breakfast this morning. I don't know. Anyway, uh, we had a guest um, just last week, I think, who uh, was a researcher at um, I think it's University of Oregon, um, and uh, she came up with an acronym called DARVO, and I love this acronym. I don't know whether you've heard about it. It's been around for 20 years, but I've never heard about it. So um, I am making a point of mentioning this to everybody I know of. Um, DARVO is by Dr. Jennifer Freed. Um, She came out with this in the 90s. And she uses this um, explanation, this this acronym, to explain offenders, um, sexual offenders, domestic violence offenders. And she said that um, this is in response to their being held accountable for their behavior. DARVO stands for Deny attack, and reverse victim and offender. Judge Fuller did that. He denied, nope, nope, nothing going on here. And then he attacked, and then he reversed victim and offender. She started it. I'm the abused one here. You know, it's just coincidental. It's just, you know, I don't know, it's a miracle that I didn't end up, you know, broken and bloody like she did. I don't know, you know. I just must be made of tougher stuff. I don't know. So that DARVO... Uh, acronym, I think, really explains what happens with domestic violence situations. Deny, attack, and reverse victim and offender. So the offender becomes the victim, and that's how he portrays himself in court a lot. Um, So next time you're talking to a judge, tell him about DARVO. (laughs) (laughs) Because that is such typical behavior, um, you know, for, for, for the abuser. So what if somebody um in their state or their county um wants to do something about educating judges what do you recommend they do if if someone wanted to educate a judge about domestic violence yeah because they really are pretty unapproachable i mean i couldn't just go up to a judge unless he happens to be a personal friend and say, hey, judge, you know, have you been and seen the latest statistics from, you know, <laughs> Department of, you know, whatever um, on domestic violence issues? I mean, I, I wouldn't have that kind of access. Right. Um, I mean, it's, it's very difficult for the common layperson to tell a judge what they think, but mm-hmm. the best way to educate judges that, seem not to know very much about domestic violence issues, I hate to say it, you might have to be a plaintiff in one of these cases and have your lawyer put statistics into your pleadings, because that way a judge can become very educated very quickly about what is going on, um, not just in your case, but in the nation. And then that's assuming that lawyer, uh, I, I have met a number of lawyers who do get it, I, re- I really must say. But there are also a number of attorneys who don't get it, just like the judges don't right. get it, you know. Um, which, yeah, gosh, you know, I mean, from, you know, little lawyers, great judges grow. And so if the, the lawyer doesn't get it, the chances are very great that the judge he becomes won't get it. Um, so I guess I guess what I'm saying is, you know, if, can you go through your legislature? Can you petition right. your state legislator to uh, require domestic violence training? I do not know this personally, but I've talked with somebody um, who uh, attempted that approach and was told that the legislature can require continuing education for judges, but it cannot require in what areas. Right. And it's it's the same for attorneys. Um, depending on what state you are licensed in, you may or may not have to take mandatory continuing legal education classes. 
But if you are in a state where it's required that you take it, you can take a continuing legal education class about domestic violence. The American Bar Association actually has a commission on domestic and sexual violence. And there's, there's a wealth of information online about how to best serve your clients if they are in, a, in an unfortunate situation where you have to have knowledge on these issues. So, so there are, there are ways to educate attorneys and judges, but they ha- I suppose they have to want to know. And it's yeah. a good thing to know. Yeah, I would think, considering so the number people. of... Yeah, and the number of cases, I mean, uh, the number of cases that that surround domestic violence issues, uh, from child custody to, uh, you know, uh, you name it. Okay, so um, what are we going to do about um, Kelly out there? Was it Kelly? Yeah, his first wife was Lisa and the second wife is Kelly. I know from your article, Stacy, that he has been issued an order, that he a no-contact order, and if he contacts his wife, he's going to be charged with felony aggravated stalking, which, mm-hmm. yay. Um, but now, what about her? Uh, do we know anything about her? Do we know whether she's able to uh, pay her bills, whether she's able to, you know, I mean, we don't know anything about this, the victim. We right. know this guy's the perpetrator, but we don't know about the victim. Um, what, what about her? And do the, do the, do the lawyers care about her? Well, I, she has really been keeping her head down in, in the press since this has happened. And uh, we really don't know what's going to happen to her, unfortunately. A lot of these people get, tend to get lost in the system. But just because she is married to a public figure, I imagine that we someday will figure out what happened to her and how she's getting by. Well, I think the assumption for a lot of people is, well, they've got money, you know, I mean, clearly, you know, this right. U.S. Uh, district court judge, you know, they, they pay those guys, right? So she's not hurting for money, at least. But the fact is that just because he has money doesn't mean she has it. For all we right. know, he's tied up that money and she can't get to it. So she may be going through some pretty hefty financial problems right now. Um, I know in a lot of cases where... For example, the husband is ordered to pay the or the mortgage um, during that interim period between when divorce is filed, and that's assuming she's going to get a divorce. But between uh, when divorce is filed and when you know the court says, okay, this is how it's going to be, they issue some sort of interim orders to try and keep things going. And usually during that, if there's a house involved or something, or you know, depending, they'll order the husband to keep making the house payment. Doesn't mean he's going to. Right. Doesn't mean he's going to at all. Um, he could decide, well, he's going to show her and just not make the mortgage payments on the family home. She's getting collection notices because uh, this happened in August. So it takes about two months um, uh, for if he if he doesn't comply with the court order, it takes about two months to go back before a judge, and then the judge usually gives them like a month to make better on it. Um, so she's got like, you know, her house is starting to get letters about foreclosure if he hasn't paid the mortgage. I mean, I've just seen so many women go through this, and um, I, I think that, I don't know. I don't know why I'm bringing that up. I'm bringing that up because well, I'm mad at this guy. <laughs> I, I think that given that he is a federal judge and he is a public figure, I think that the chances of things like that happening are slim to none because he okay. already has a very, very, very bad mark on his permanent record thanks to what happened. I think he wants to stay out of anything else that could be perceived as bad for him, bad for his job. I think he's going to be on his best behavior in terms of documents that could be found. Uh, so he's mm. going to be paying all of the, he's going to be paying the mortgage, giving money for well, people who, who need to survive. That's what I think is going to happen. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that um, because, you know, the, the, this guy's 55 years old. He could retire. He could retire with a good pension and just keep his head down. Um, but he's not retiring, is he? Well, no, no November 12th. 
<laughs> well, no, November twelfth, because that's the the cutoff date that the congresswoman gave him. Is that the before she introduces impeachment yes. proceedings? Yeah. So um, he has to decide this coming week whether he's going to retire, lay low, and um, you know take take some hit for what he's he's allegedly done. Um, right. If he takes a plea deal, does that mean he he doesn't have that plea deal? Isn't necessarily oh me a culpa? I did it, and I regret it or anything. It's just well, do with me what you will. I'll do what you want, and then you just erase everything. Or does it imply an admission of guilt? It doesn't imply guilt. It doesn't imply innocence. He just took it because then he wouldn't have to go to trial, and he will not have a record of this. Ever. He can get it expunged as soon as he finishes his 24 weeks. Yeah. So when wife number three comes up, she won't know. (laughs) (laughs) Or she'll think that it's different. He's changed. Right. (laughs) Oh, I'm so jaded today, Stacey. (laughs) One one thing that I did want want to mention this is that Mm -hmm. since we as a nation are very consumed by domestic violence issues lately, considering... Uh, what happened with Ray Rice, I think that it is a bit absurd that a football player is being held to a higher standard than a federal judge. Ray Rice lost his job almost immediately. For Judge Mark Fuller, people are wringing their hands, and they're not quite sure what to do about a federal judge who's been accused of beating his wife. I, I and don't yet, this has happened before. It's happened before. I don't have; they don't come to mind, but I know I've read news stories before. Um, well, and the, of course, uh, Fuller's attorney is Barry Ragsdale. Uh, I'm getting that from the Brad blog, and of course, he's there to defend his client and pretend that everything is wonderful. But he said that uh, you know, with your comparison to Ray Rice, um, he said, and I'm quoting. The, he's talking about the incident with with Kelly in the uh, the hotel room, and um, Ragsdale, Fuller's attorney, said, "quote It got caught up in the Ray Rice and NFL scandals, and it's gotten lumped into a category of domestic violence that I don't think it belongs in." Okay, and he said this to the Montgomery Advertiser, and I'm still quoting: "There was not a beating, kicking, or slapping in this instance." Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there was. Um, so already, you know, that, that denial, even from his attorney, and mentioning the Ray Rice thing. Um, but Ray Rice did not get suspended until there was a lo- large public uproar. And I have a caller right now, and I think we have time to, to get that in. So if you could hold, Stacy and stand by. Caller, are you there? Uh, yes, this is Rita uh, from Women's E-News. Rita Henley-Denson. Hi, Rita. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I've missed your show. I was traveling, so I'm glad to be back. Oh. Okay. <laughs> um, Hit those archives, Rita. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? They're really yes. fabulous. Um, so I guess we're talking the judge and fairness. And, yeah. uh, you know, what, and, and I, I, the news story says uh, he's just forever unless he's impeached by Congress, but... I think he could lose his law license. Oh, course, really? Yeah. He's From the, the ethics committee decision? Well, the Bar Association can can decide if, if somebody brings a complaint, you know, that it was conduct in violation of the ethical standards of the Bar. And it's, it's so, I mean, it, it, ju- even federal judges um, have to be licensed by the local bar association. Stacy, you know, have, it's, it's you... worth making it's worth making a kerfuffle, even if they say, "Oh no, 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 it's we can't handle that." Um, no. That that ke- that keeps the pressure on. Wonderful, Stacy. Do you can you address that? Is there hopes that this ethics committee will do something? Of the bar, I would imagine that the judicial ethics committee that he's currently facing might be going down that route because I, I mean they cannot say 
you are disbarred, Dutch, but they can refer it to the Bar Association. Right now, he's he's in the 11th Circuit to, uh, called for this committee, but someone has to make a complaint to to the actual Bar Association where he is licensed. So while this Judicial Ethics Committee can say whether or not he's going to be publicly censured or if he's going to have a job or if he would have to voluntarily retire, no one can have any part in his suspension from the practice of law or uh, disbarment except for his state bar. And wow. someone, if someone makes a complaint, then that might be a possibility. But to my knowledge, no one has made such a complaint. Hey, Rita, you want to make a complaint? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not familiar enough with the facts of the case, and I think um, it would behoove somebody in uh, his home territory to yeah, make Yeah, in complaint. Alabama. Well, yeah. hopefully we'll get that. Rita, thank you so much for calling, and that was a very good point. Um, and uh, before I let you go, I want to remind everybody that if you haven't checked out Women's E-News, do so. It is such a comprehensive uh, publication online about what's going on with women and women's issues throughout the world. And uh, it's just it's beautifully written. It's wonderfully written. And uh, I recommend it highly. Women's E-News. <laughs> Thank you so much for calling, Rita. We'll catch you next Thank time. Bye-bye. So, gosh, I'm looking at our clock. I, You know, before we went on the air, Stacy, you said, can we really talk for an hour on this guy? Oh, listen, <laughs> we could keep going for another hour on this guy, couldn't we? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, would you like to leave us with any final thought or leave our listeners with any final thought about this situation? Sure. I think that it is a travesty for a federal judge to, or, or any judge, or any human being at all, but especially since we're talking about the judge, for this federal judge to be in such, be portrayed in such a light to the public, because this is the person who is supposed to make the wheels of justice turn, and they come to a screeching halt when when you find out that your judge has been accused of beating his wife. It's yeah. it's not fair to him. It's not fair to litigants who are going to come before him in his courtroom. And it's certainly not fair to his wife and to his family. Exactly. Well, I'll keep reading Above the Law, and I would like to tell our listeners that, you know, go to Above the Law. It's an online publication. There's no, although judges and lawyers are the ones that are the target audience, there's no reason you can't read about this. And uh, even make comments. Maybe some of your comments could serve to educate <laughs> some of the, hmm. the lawyers out there, at least the ones that are, that are reading the comments. So uh, that's Above the Law. Stacey Zaretsky is the editor, and I suspect that she would welcome input in the comments section from those people who are knowledgeable about domestic violence. So thank you so much, Stacey. Um, gosh, I, I've learned a lot, and I also am going to keep track of some of the things that you write, because as I said before, I think you uh, I like things that are well-written, and a lot of times on the web you don't get well-written things. Stacey is a good writer, and she's comprehensive writer. Women's e-news, well-written, comprehensive, um, kind of like old-school journalism where you actually are, are reporting on the facts and that you research those facts and uh, get the information out there. So I highly recommend uh, Above the Law, and I will be going there in the future. And who knows, Stacy? I might even leave a comment or two. I'll, <laughs> Thank you. I'll, I'll Thank make you sure I much. don't eat my <laughs> I'll make sure I don't eat my crabby berries for breakfast before I do, though. You know, one of the things that I always try to do on our show is to end with a quote. And I had a hard time finding a quote for today's show, but then Stacy reminded me of a perfect one. This quote is from, uh, let's see, from John Emmerich Edward Dahlberg Acton, the first Baron of Acton, 1834 to 1902. And I'm sure you've heard this, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Great men are almost always bad men. Well, I'm not sure I agree with the last part, but I think I pretty much agree with the um, absolute power corrupts absolutely. 
Join us next week. We're going to be talking with Barbara Paradiso, uh, who runs the uh, domestic violence program at the University of Colorado, Denver. And it's one of the few, if not the only program in the country that educates people about domestic violence for higher degrees. So join us. Don't forget you can go to our archive and see all of these and listen to all of the shows that you haven't heard before. So thank you for joining us, and we will see you here next week.